0: Of course it's fucking real. No, well, I don't mean real. I mean, mean live, yes, it's dead. Yeah, yeah right. it's dead.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Steve.
0: And I'm about ninth uh, of a furlong from the microphone. And I'm Brett.
1: And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the... Oh, is
0: a furlong like a parsec?
1: <laughs> humbled horticulturalist. No, it's an... A- Wait, no, it's a measure of distance
0: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> gentlemen how are we how is everyone <laughs> al how you obviously
0: you? not got the in reference about <laughs> star wars um anyway
1: i did i just it, okay. i'm i'm not awake <laughs> uh yeah how are you what have you been up to give us uh I, i'll just keep talking while you're you talking up,
0: right all right
1: you that's why i said <laughs> al hey, yeah but I don't,
0: obviously don't pay attention <laughs> obviously um so there's been a very strange noise coming from the underneath of my car, which <laughs> <laughs> doesn't surprise yeah. me um but i've I think I've narrowed it down to being the rear differential Ooh. um and after after inspecting the oil uh which was very very shiny and not in a bad way, not in a good way, shiny as it was in full of full of metal mm. um I determined that the diff needs replacing, yeah, however. Replacing a differential requires lots of precise measurements mm. and and things like shims and uh, micrometers and oh, compound for marking gears and measure and lots of sort of repeat measurements and things. Not really my cup of tea. No. Whereas just replacing a whole rear axle requires just some spanners and a few like <laughs> hammers and stuff. That's the kind um, of thinking I like. I have a, I have a parts car and um and I did check the differential oil. And although it smelt like Shamu's dick, um, it didn't have any metal in it, um, and hopefully we'll be fine. Um, so when you say you checked it, did you check it and change it, or did you just, just dip it, it and be like... I'm not, I'm not made of diffs. And, <laughs> I, I, and also, I couldn't get the uh, fill plug off. I could get the drain plug off. I couldn't get the fill plug off, as is tradition <laughs> in all That's 30-year-old sucks. cars. Um, and then I thought, maybe I could just turn it upside down, fill it, and then, because I've taken it off, why not? Got yeah. I think smart, Steve. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's fun. So I spent the weekend pretending that um, 30-year-old rusted bushings can just be removed with hand tools. Mm-hmm. They can't. No. No, no they can't. Because <laughs> they, they are no longer moving parts. No. They're, they're no one, longer bushings. They're, they're just part of the car. They are yeah. one part that is – uh, what's the word? Ballistic? Half metal, half plastic? Yeah. there's a word there's a word for it in the bushing world. um yeah, yeah so that's 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 fun. um uh, I've also got a new Hatchack project on the go, which Ooh. may may or may not involve radio controlled cars and a dog. so
1: um, watch this space more on that next week nice. e- um, nice. sounds great. Uh, all right well except for the yeah you know, no, except
0: for being underneath a car that I can't move because I've already taken the engine out. No, I've taken the engine out. Ah. So I can't move the parts car.
1: Uh, Have you not seen the Flintstones?
0: I can't move the parts car because it's parked (laughs) on a drive that is on a hill. And now I've taken the rear differential off, which is what the handbrake is attached to. (laughs) And the car's on a hill, and there's no engine. Um, So I couldn't move it. So I spent a lot of the weekend just lying on my back in various discontorted positions, just getting covered in diff oil, and then undoing brake lines, because they're all attached to the rear axle. Welcome to car talk. Uh, And then just getting covered in brake oil. All in my hair, and then my hair was getting like tangled up in the break I did lines. think your beard was looking particularly shiny. It's, it's very you know you know beard oil that the hippies the pet it's just, just dip oil. it's just whale dick juice from the bottom of a thirty year old differential <laughs> um and yeah, it was just wasn't nice, and it was like freezing fog and yeah minus whatever Fahrenheit is in Celsius cold all mm. sounds. Amazing, I'm no, but I did
1: it and it's satisfying and it's off, yeah, it's done. Well, I was gonna say it's done, it's it's mostly done now, it's fine. Um, Brett, what about you? What have you been up to?
2: I have been, I think, I'm mostly finished with the whale bone. Al's <laughs> <I was> dealing <laughs> with whale b- dicks, and I'm also dealing with parts of whales. Did that don't uh, they have
0: a bone in their dick?
2: Yeah, like, dogs. I mean. Sea lions do, right? Or walruses? Walruses, mm. that's the Wa- big thing. wal Walry. Uh,
0: if I put whale dick bone into it, is that going to come up with some... a <laughs> thing? No, it's, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. bacallum right. bacallum <laughs> Not to be so, confused yeah, with peniles. Um, it's not to be confused with penile spines. That's a different thing.
1: Mm. Most mammals
0: do. What, confuse them with penile spines?
1: No, have, have a bacallum.
2: this is really already gone off the rails so anyway finished up i think finished up i'm i'm relatively happy with the whalebone sculpture and now i can move on to the next bit of things for that um amidst working on that project i've been doing a little bit more research and i at least have an amazon cart started with a handful of things needed for the airstream redo that has just been sitting there waiting for me to continue to do work on it um but since we haven't mentioned the weather yet outside of al's freezing fog just let everybody know that really the last few weeks have been dealing with the wake up in the morning and figure out if the wind is going to be uh horrible and unbearable or manageable because it's Chilly outside, but the wind really adds to it. I've been working on a back patio space cover thing that I think I mentioned. Um, I did. I'll I'll be a hundred percent honest, and we can talk about it a little bit more uh, as we get into the show. But being a hundred percent honest, I thought I could just submit drawings to the county because you have to have a permit for this thing. So hooray, back into the permitting situation. But I didn't think it was that complicated. Thought I could just throw some drawings together, submit them, pay the fees. Bob's your uncle. Turns out, not the case. Um, I submitted drawings and they immediately hit me back with, uh, due to the unique nature of the drawings that you've supplied, we're going to need you to go through an engineer and get them certified as structurally sound through an engineer that I would find and pay to submit drawings, (laughs) which I don't want to do. so I ended up making a couple of he's phone calls. Baraffi, he's
0: called Jeff Barafi, and he he doesn't look <laughs> anything like me. He look <laughs> and I'm just going to like go him. out of the room for a moment, and he's going to come in.
2: <laughs> there you go. Uh, so after a really silly talk with one of the engineers through the county, who I guess is, I guess it's one of the people that would look at these engineer drawings and then sign off on it, whatever. And talk to him. Super nice guy. And he's like, hey, really? You're having issues with submitting this because you want to use these steel pieces. And I had welded up this steel beam that was going to be a cross beam. And I had all this, I spent money on it already. I welded up this big long beam. I had it in place. I was already moving on the project because I figured they'd just give me the okay and I'd pay some fees. Everything about it went sideways. The beam was the problem. So now I'm not using the beam. And the guy goes, yo, here's this handout that we send people that has all of the specs for what we traditionally suggest for people to do with these patio covers. So if you just follow those, you don't even have to worry about it. It'll just be a little bit smaller. I was like, this is stupid because it's not available on the site. I couldn't find it anywhere. And now this answers all the questions that I spent, you know, multiple days in Google searches trying to sort out. So thank you. But also that sucks. So over the last few days, on the good days, or at least during the warmer points of the day, uh, I've undid all of my work. Everything that I did for three or four days, putting posts up, pouring footings, all of this woodwork, cutting beams down, its uh, I have to undo all of it. So as of yesterday, I've gotten the last bit of it taken down. And I will talk more about it, but there are good things and bad things that came out of it but it's been a real gut check of dealing with bureaucracy but also it ended up solving some problems that will make things easier in the end for me and the project itself will more than likely go more smooth uh, because of the hangups that I'm having with the county. Biggest issue I'm having about it is that I spent one of the windiest days we've had out here (laughs) I built a little structure to cover all of my weld spots because I don't, I had to make a 24 foot long beam. I don't have a 24 foot long space to do that or a workbench that's dead square. So I worked really hard to put this three pieces of steel together that were like bang on dead square, 24 feet on the nose. And now it's just sitting in the side of my property because I can't use it. I don't, I guess it's just steel to use for the future. (laughs) <laughs> so it's been a week of reality checks nice yeah. yeah i mean i i can imagine that's ever so
1: slightly frustrating um mm-hmm. but uh but yeah i mean like i say as, as long as you kind of learn something from it then it's not a wasted experience maybe like, we'll, we'll go with that um yeah when i i because we started recording in a very Irregular fashion, irregular, it, is it, this yeah.
0: is, and also, this is early for us, right? This is like middle of the afternoon, early yeah. morning for
1: Brett, yeah. Um, compared yeah, to I,
0: usually when like we've got Sleepy Steve at like 9 pm,
1: yeah. Uh, all, all I was gonna say is, I can't remember last, last week. Did I talk about getting the bandsaw with Jim, or was that the week like, did that happen between? Last recording.
2: Last time we recorded was two weeks ago. Yeah, that was. that. Yeah. nothing has happened since then. I know nothing of a okay. bandsaw.
1: Okay, so uh, for his new workshop, Joe, um, handsome Joe, bought a uh, a bandsaw. Can we call Jim? H-
0: can we call Jimmy? Jimmy, from now on.
1: Yeah. No. That, That's this is the
0: Jim's Jim Old Ship Jim. Yeah, old ship traditional Jim. All right, Okay. Yeah. Good. That's fine. I was getting. Yeah. 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 If, it, if I'm talking about Jim, Jimmy, Jim. No.
1: No, if I was talking about Jimmy, I'd say Jimmy. If I was talking about the I'd say
0: No, Duresta, I'm not Duresta, about Duresta. workshop Jimmy.
1: Yeah, that's what no, yeah, he's Jimmy. Yeah. No, but you said Jim. Yeah, because I'm talking about Jim. Right.
0: There we go. <laughs> three
1: Jims don't make a right. Uh so anyway, uh so Joe, um brought this oh, fuck's So, <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, the fact that you're covering your mouth as well, like a naughty school child because uh, joe is a naughty school child sure. well they both yeah. are
0: yeah just did um, one of them went to public
1: school yeah uh did he anyway joe <laughs> uh...
0: definitely went to public school
1: <laughs> no he just lives in oxford that's all oh, right he's brought up in oxford he's, um, nice. he's lovely uh what was i said <laughs> yes so for the new workshop he needed to get a metal cutting band so i sent him a uh an auction that i think dr morty had sent me someone had sent me this auction if, it was nearby it was
0: an auction sent to you with massive industrial old tools it was probably, yeah it was probably dr Morty.
1: well there's a few people that send them to me so um but i think this one was morty um but anyway uh so joe bid on a load of stuff uh including this metal cutting bandsaw and um he said to me oh can you give me a hand picking it up and i was like yeah yeah it's fine he said oh, it's three phase but i think it'll be all right and and all this. i was like okay cool thinking like Three phases, it's probably going to be quite big, but all right. Mm-hmm. I just kind of said, like, what, like, do, do we need to hire a van or what? And he was like, oh, yeah, if we could. So, um, so we get down there and the things are fucking just a, a Leviathan of a bandsaw. It was like, I don't know, maybe six and a half foot long and just cast iron everything, uh, weighed a ton. There was no way we were gonna move it. There was no way it was going in the back of the transit that we'd hired. Um Who measures
0: bandsaws in length. Ah, because it's a metal cutting bandsaw, got you.
1: Yeah, well, in as in like well, how would you measure it?
0: Well, yeah, because normal bandsaws you measure in height, don't you? Because it's fucking tall. <laughs> and you've got uh, a table. you've got like a table thing.
1: Yeah, no, this is a horizontal, like this is a yeah, a, yeah horizontal no, bandsaw. Not me. Uh I wasn't although it, it did have uh, electronic. That's what I'm thinking,
0: because it go up. Which is
1: really fucking cool. Yeah, but it only goes up to like, that. what's that, like 80 degrees? Um, Not the full 90, so you've got the thing. Anyway, uh, yeah, it turns out that was way too big and would basically take up the whole of Joe's workshop. So we decided that rather than uh, try and fit it in the van, we were just going to leave it there uh, and go back and get it another time. We took a load of other stuff that he'd bought. um, And Joe was kind of in a, not a panic as such, but like a little bit like, fuck, what do I do with this? Because this is too big. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, so I was like, I know someone who has access to three phase, uh, is very good with big, large metal working equipment, and is thoroughly fucking lovely. Uh, so I got the blower to Old Chip Jim, um, and was like, ah, do you want a massive bandsaw for not a lot of money? Nice. Um, and uh, ended up that uh, he did a straight sh- straight swap with Joe for a normal sized bandsaw, like a single phase one. Um, and uh, they uh, we arranged it so that Jim came down. Um, obviously, Jim being Jim, decided to do it all in a one-er, so left his at like sparrow fart, drove all the way down here, uh, picked it up from Devon, came back saw joe's workshop and basically just went cool i'm gonna go because i have to drive back to the north uh and uh drove all the way back up there um but yeah so that was fun i got to see jim which was lovely uh and now joe has a proper bandsaw um and jim also got a load of like lathe equipment and stuff out of it um but then this that was last week i think and then this week Have you got uh, have you
0: got a date on this bandsaw Like is it like fifties?
1: I don't know. The so like so most of it is um cast iron. Oh, and we got there and the fuckers uh when they'd lifted it onto a pallet because they needed to move it out of the way, um, they'd snapped off the blade guide. Ugh. Um well, so... I mean, probably
0: for the best so you can get bigger stock in it.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sakes. Uh so Jim's gonna have to try and fix that. Um and the like the the covers that go over the two mm-hmm. wheels, uh the they were made keys. of like yeah, they were made of like fiberglass.
0: Ooh, uh, no, what's the other one? What's it's the weird. deadly one? Uh asbestos. <laughs> I <It's not, laughs>
1: really hope no, it's not asbestos. I don't think it's that old. Um I think it's probably like maybe seventies. Bakelite. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh it's it's fucking huge in Ace, and it's now at gyms. Um And, yeah, this week I went back to Joe's workshop because the electrician has finally gone in and fixed all of the wiring in there so you can actually start putting stuff in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we set up his new 2x72, got it all set up, got it screwed into the bench, and then realised that because Joe's the height he is and he's made a workbench that's quite tall, uh, you'd basically be grinding at eye level. (laughs) So... (laughs) so we've got a like we've we've made a joke well we're going to make a joe box uh as a temporary solution but we're going to have to drop that down a little bit um but anyway like, we got past that problem like wired everything in, got everything sorted plugged it in turned it on all excited and uh nothing happened it's like oh fuck luckily he had two other like 16 amp uh sockets the other side of the workshop that's uh there for like when he eventually gets a power hammer um so we kind of had to undo everything that we just done i had to hold the grinder and kind of like waddle over whilst he had the um the vfd and the plug uh went over to the other side of the workshop dumped it on a temporary trolley thing and um and started up just to make sure that it was that socket not the actual grinder um, which luckily it was, so that works. And I think he's got the um, Sparky coming in this week to fix the broken socket. I think it was just like a dodgy um, socket. Um, and yeah, and then I've been in. I've actually been in my workshop uh, seen, today. Yeah, yeah, Very nice. um, which was nice. Uh, I'm working on a few little bits. Um, and so I, I've got a little one by thirty grinder, which is. Um, not it's not the worst thing in the world, but it, it's not great. Um and because it's so tiny, like it's it's quite hard to do free grinding with. Um, but it's also really difficult to do any jig grinding with because there's not a table big enough to actually grind on it. So it's no it's not it's not ideal. Um, but I've been making some bits to use for that, including like a very, very <laughs> dodgy and kind of hacked together um like fixing plate for um blade grinding because uh, I've got a couple of blades that I want to get uh, heat treated and ground in the next week or so. um So yeah, I was doing that today, which was fun, and also working on because uh, I realised that I now meet and speak to a lot of people and kind of need to give details because when there's business stuff, uh it's got to come back to me and not back to the forge anymore because I don't work there anymore, so it's got to come back to me so i need something to give out that's got my details on uh so i was working on uh some business card stuff which obviously meant another chat to dr malty because he has a lovely lovely uh press oh
0: so those little key rings that just say
1: fuck on them that's not your business cards no (laughs) i got very confused (laughs) uh yeah so that that's gone over to Multi for um some critique uh and it's been quite good fun, like going back and forth with that, um, and also like the the horrors of the fact that I've actually got to have my own website now as well, and I actually need to set that up, which I might do this week, maybe if I get time. We'll see. Um, but I think that's just going to be like a Squarespace spe- Squarespace special because I just want. I've got some friends that have offered to make it for me and do it in like WordPress and stuff, but I just. I know what my limitations are with that stuff and I need something that I can just jump in and edit on the fly when I need to add stuff in. Um because as as the topic is this week, you know, sometimes you can get a little bit ahead of yourself and think that you can handle it, and then you get there and go, Oh fuck no, this is not as easy as I thought it was. And we like with the website stuff and things like that, I just want to keep it as simple as possible. Um, and as convenient as possible, because I, where that comes in, I know that I'm not, I'm not that good anymore. Like I used mm. to do good. I don't now, and I don't want to have to sit and spend brackets
0: head close yeah. brackets forward slash body close <laughs> brackets open brackets.
1: <laughs> Why is this not written? bold? Six forward hours later, I get back to it and realize that there's one extra fucking comma or something. Um. So yeah, I uh, I'm gonna avoid that because I don't want to get into that situation um but yeah because it is it's super fucking easy to to I get think, I self. think
0: my current existing website which granted, you have a website? Yeah I have I've not um I've not updated it since 2010. But I I wrote Ooh. that in, I wrote that in html. <laughs>
1: we also uh, because of what's happening with the of tools website uh, i realized that our bios on the and photos and bios on the website are slightly out of date as in they're like 5 years old now maybe 6 years old uh, so we, we should probably update them soon um, nah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah I, hang on i need to just what dot co uk
0: that's after co and and what- I like am construction. <laughs> and 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 scale the window. Scale uh, the window. On. Yeah, like make it smaller and bigger. Hang
1: on, Where's the corner?
2: The, the...
0: Yes, they do.
1: Yeah, they do. Ah, that's very cool. Um,
0: this is great for all the listeners. And it's and it's still got my Dutch address.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Have you got an Al's Hack Shack website?
0: uh no i pay yeah. for one i pay an extortion amount of money for one so so i can get adsense from youtube which which <laughs> i get less than what the website costs me a year. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Talk nice. about being brought back down away.
1: <laughs> um yeah that's i mean like i think to kind of vaguely go back to the topic like it is one of the those things where a lot of people go like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna set up and like I and I know so many people that have um that they've started on this journey and they're like right I'm gonna get everything set up and everything's gonna be absolutely perfect before I uh launch. And like so they've got something that's like one of the things I, I learned when I was in IT is uh scalability of stuff. So you want stuff that you you can scale up, but at the same time, there's 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 almost no point in like having something that's ready to take huge amounts of capacity when you're just starting out like if you put mm-hmm. all of your effort into setting up these like systems and processes and things like that then you end up spending more time like getting things ready rather than having actual stock and customers mm-hmm. um and yeah i think like that's like from A maker perspective or like a a make a business perspective that's something that i see happen often is where people get and don't get wrong i I see the other side where people like have a product that suddenly takes off and they're like oh shit um but i i find that that's like it's fairly easy to quickly scale up a website or to do whatever Mm -hmm. to to get those those things in i think it's more I don't know if it's problematic, but like more disappointing when for someone if they create this, like all of these things, like they get like a thousand business cards printed and a can hundred of these and blah, 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 and like spend hundreds on a, a website and then they go right. I've got twelve followers. How do I how do I grow yeah. that? And it's like I mean I
2: look, I'll put myself down as an example, um, and I think I've mentioned this before, but if you guys recall when I was getting overly excited and i was so gung-ho on on the youtube and social media aspect Mm. of things and i was still living in upstate you know i hit the uh make spotting like when i did that print right the big poster print and i got t-shirts made and i did all these things and i was trying to cut corners everywhere and save initial cost because i didn't have a lot of money to be spending on that anyways but everyone told me like you gotta get shirts printed business cards, merch, stock for the website or whatever. It took three and a half years to sell all the t-shirts. And at that point in time, what I spent to get the t-shirts made, which I was like, I'm going to get nice ones. I'm going to get them silkscreen. I'm going to go for somebody local so I can support local business. I did not have the money and it took three years to make up. In the grand scheme of things, not a whole lot of money, right? It was just, yeah. To, to try and pay back the cost and with the following that i had and the amount of people that were buying shirts whatever i thought it was the right thing it's what everybody else was telling me to do like make merch have it for sale do all the things um and i'm i'm not gonna say that i'm upset that i did it or try and look back at it and go that was a dumb decision i don't think it was a dumb decision i think based on what you're saying steve had i Uh, been more aware of scalability, I could have gone for a third of the order or Mm. a a low run print or something like that just to see, you know, make up the initial cost back a little bit. Maybe instead of printing a hundred of those posters and it took four or five years to get rid of those Ula actually, I think he just got the last one not too long ago. So it's taken five, six years. and the last one just left the door i love those prints i was really happy with the posters i thought it was a fun idea i was glad that people did purchase them but scalability wise i was mailing and packaging everything i was having to schedule out time to uh do those things and i remember the very first time i went to the post office to drop all of those packages off because you know there was that uh that blessing in disguise It's like oh my god so many people would purchase things i'm so happy right now I've, I've got a little bit of money in my pocket then i go to the post office and the posting alone was like 75 percent of what i had made and i'm like yeah. so what i thought was a profit margin is now just gone yeah and it was kind of heart-wrenching because you get that like well i guess i'm okay with people just my stuff being out there is the important aspect. And you're like, that's not why you do this. That's that's not that's not yeah. the point. You're actually supposed to make enough money to support doing this, and then like invest it into going forward. At that point, I was like, well, now I can buy groceries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, oh, yeah. Sorry, how you go,
0: Um, No, it's just slightly on that point. I was watching um, the latest episode of Ben Heck. Hmm. And he just he randomly just gets like a box of stuff and um, tears it down to look inside. And it ranges from like a calculator from the 1970s through to just like a smoke alarm that you can't turn off, you know, like the new smoke alarms, which are just like sealed yeah. units that are a fucker. Yeah. Um, but one of the things he tore down was a Google Stadia control pad. Oh, yeah. So for those that don't, Hi, Jess. Um, for those that don't <laughs> know Google Stadia, it was like Google's attempt at being like s- game streaming. And it was yeah. going to be the next big thing, and you didn't need a console, and you could just stream gaming direct to your television, and all you needed was a Chromecast and a controller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Google thought, this is good for the future. People don't need PCs anymore. People don't need games consoles <laughs> anymore. All you need is this, and we can do it all online. And basically, he's tearing down this controller, and he makes... um one of the ways he makes a living is through repurposing controllers for differently abled people. So he makes hmm. accessibility controllers. So like a left-handed PlayStation controller, right-handed Xbox controller, et cetera. So he's, he's seen a controller or two, right? Yeah. Just, I don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to hold you here. Um, <laughs> and he, <laughs>
2: just and, the and, cat being a cat. and he's,
0: and he's ter- he, Cause he's going to touch the microphone thing and it's going to disconnect the USB and it's going to be a yeah.
2: nightmare.
0: Um, and Ben's tearing down this Stadia controller, and he's like, "Holy fuck! This is the best controller I've ever seen." Mm. Like the internals, no expense spared, everything. Like everywhere where it would be a moving part, they've used Hall effect sensors. Everywhere where it would be just a contact switch, they've put like nylon bushings in to reduce mm-hmm. the like the the yeah. click. And you know, so and, and everything yeah. is like somebody's gone to town on this, right? And like over engineered, over designed, beautiful. And the R and D on that must have been like north of a billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. To do this. And and it to be compatible with all gaming and future proof and like mm-hmm. um, it was all about latency and thinking about like you're playing Mortal Kombat against someone on the other side of the planet, how quickly yeah. can it predict your next button press based on the three possible button presses of the combo you're doing. Mm-hmm. And actually yeah. it would like preload the three options that it could be. And depending yeah. on which one you choose, it was already ready to 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 to, and it was really yeah. really complicated. No one ever bought it. It completely tanked. Ugh. Absolute disaster, right? And talk about them just going right. Well, that's obviously not the future of gaming. People like consoles. People like PCs. People like mm. real things. People like the Switch. Whatever. However, people game. That's how they do it. So, from Google to to, the, I can you know you can imagine the engineers being really passionate about this and going like, right, this is this is how the switch is going to feel, and this is how mm-hmm. the tactility is going to be on the stick, like. So, all the joystick woes that we've ever had in our life of joysticks going floppy,
1: the fucking N sixty four
0: controller, yeah, being the, 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 the <laughs> archetypal floppy joystick, yeah. but every joystick since then drift whatever. It was like you don't need them because the Hall effect senses. So there's no, literally no mechanical moving parts in the in the joystick. So mm. it's just done with magnetism. Yeah. So it essentially could last forever. Um and he like he ran it over with his car and it still works. And he was like, yeah. this is like the the effort that's gone into this is impeccable and it's really, mm-hmm. you probably you could probably use it for a if you are yeah. uh, a PC gamer, probably use a controller. But it, it's clunking, looks horrible and it obviously yeah. hasn't been designed by like cool people at Sony. So could, <laughs> it looks like a shit controller. Yeah. Um but it was just, like, how that just fell in, like, I don't know, three months that this thing was going to be the next big thing, and then suddenly yeah. streaming gaming is not a thing anymore. Like, I don't even think Stadia mm-hmm. is the service. Uh, I know, they,
1: they shut it down two months yeah. ago?
0: Yeah, so, like, it, it just disintegrated. And it was, yeah. like, all those people that worked on it's like, well, what was the, what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to your point, Brett, it's like, I did all this work, and I put all this effort in, and I went above and beyond and it all just, like, why?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, because one of the the, the kind of things with some stuff like that is they, I know they did a bunch of, <clears throat> excuse me, market research, but they didn't really look at, um like, what people were actually saying. Yeah. A bunch of people were going on about the fact that, you know, this is great and everything, but I, you know, I, I don't have good enough internet or I don't have this. It was just kind of like, oh, well, yeah. You know, that's that's a future problem. Don't worry about that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. People, we'll, people we'll, have, we'll have quantum computing in the future. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, yeah. Don't worry about the speed of light.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and like one of the the kind of um, <clears throat> smaller scale versions of that, that uh, especially from what Brett was saying with the t-shirts and stuff like that, is this whole idea of doing rather than doing um, like make it or look like order a big batch and then do it is the idea of doing pre-orders, um, and I think for stuff like merch, that works really well. Um, because you can, you can say like, look, here's an example of what it's going to look like. You can get like one or two printed up. Like this is what it's going to look like. You've got the next week to order it. This is how much they're going to cost. And you do that. And you, you, know, you can, cause that way you can base the price on the minimum order quantity. So, you know, if you actually go over that minimum order, then the price comes down and you get a bit more profit. Great. Everyone's a winner. um, but when you're doing that with stuff that you're making, it becomes a little bit more difficult because then you get into the problem of like, oh shit, what if this goes off the, like the, the I, I know a few people that have put stuff up and they're kind of like an, an Etsy shop or whatever. And they do it on a, you know, you order it and then I make it basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great when it's small quantities and you've got a load of free time, but, there was there's a few examples where people have done that and something's really taken off and all of a sudden they've got like all
0: of a sudden brett's polishing ice picks yeah hours a day.
1: exactly like you you suddenly got like a thousand orders and you've only got like eight hours in the week in which you're able to actually make these things like um and like for for me i i really dislike um pre-orders on stuff that i make because it's uh because of the way my brain works, it gives me fucking anxiety, and I I don't like it. It puts a load of pressure on, and I can't enjoy the task of making the thing because I have to make it. it even though, like, I can do that for someone else, I can make someone else's product, but I can't make my own like that because the, my brain's dumb. Um, which is why I much prefer making stuff and selling it. But the problem with that is, you know, I I might make a batch of say twenty sloids, um, you know. Do them all nice, like all make the handles right. everything like, and thick, <laughs> and um, you know what what happens then if if nobody sells them, uh, nobody buys them, like you know may, maybe I sell one or two, and then I've got you know eighteen knives left that nobody wants to buy that I've sunk you know, two weeks of work into, like that's that's the kind of um, like that reality check sort of back to earth thing that I. I'm more familiar with um that kind of like this product's going to sell really well i'm going to make a bunch of them and then oh shit nobody wants to buy it um whereas like I so say when i did the, the swear tags i did them on pre-orders and then there was a load of anxiety around it and it's just like it's it's like which one is the bigger risk like the the risk of being a, like having a bit of anxiety about something or the risk of spending a load of time on something that's not going to sell. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's just kind of a a bit of a seesaw balancing act. I've I've got a
0: take on that, but I want Brett I want Brett's first. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate. You go. All right. Oh. Okay. Just just on that point, Steve. Um I don't know if you you knew, but I, I used to work in a restaurant. Um <laughs> and Steve is adorable. a little a, li- a little a little sort of insight into that is I used to have a very limited menu mm. and it would be stuff that I would prepare. That day in the morning, yeah, with the intention of I want to sell out, yeah, because I don't want you know, I want it fresh every day, right? Yeah, yeah. So you'd make 10 fish specials, 10 meat specials, 10 veggie specials, whatever. Um, and go right, this is what I think will sell. I think I'll sell more of the this, yeah. probably will only sell a few of those, but not quite sure. But I'm going to take the risk because I don't want to waste the food, yeah. People don't want to buy it. All people want is chips. Right? <laughs> open a restaurant open a fucking restaurant that just sells chips. Yeah. If if you if your if your ambition is to just sell your stock, just sell chips. Yeah. They can be really nice chips. It's fries, Brett. They can be really nice chips, but Really? After this, that, that, amount of time. <laughs> that isn't what people want. People yeah. don't want the nice thing that you spent a lot of time on that you're running the risk, like Brett's yeah. t shirts. The beautiful. I thought about the fucking metallic ink and mm. everything, and how soft the soft they are. Really soft bread. How soft the cotton is. They don't want that. They want the shit yeah. t-shirt that is just digitally printed, that is going to wash out after three washes with a funny thing on the front because that's like, yeah, you know, the, the mass. I don't. I'm not saying everyone's an idiot. I'm saying the masses are. People. Everyone loves chips. Yeah. Not everyone loves fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like running that risk and taking that gamble if that is your intention is selling stock, go for the lowest common denominator.
1: Yeah, but then that's the problem with that is you don't want to fucking make chips every day. You You want to do the fish. The profit
0: margin is fucking ridiculous. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a fair point.
2: Well, I find it interesting that we've been talking about merch and the, the making and selling of things, but if we're the comments on scalability and, and all that um, just reminds me of the project, the, the patio cover project, right? Cause it's not something I'm selling. It will become part of the cost of this property or like the value of the property, but it is just me controlling it. And there's no immediate return on, on investment or anything like that. But when it comes to the projects that we make, Ourselves, like Steve, you're getting the sloyd blades, you know, with the potential that they will sell. Anything I do to this place is a potential to raise value, sale of this property. A little bit different because it's not just merchandise, but I, uh, the reality check or the anxiety of, of like, you know, well, I'll just do it, I'll just do it, and and it'll be good, and then it'll raise the value of place, and you know, we. I'll get to enjoy it for the time being. Um, Not only did I screw up and not measure things properly, I got so far along to where I was actually, I was at the point I thought they were going to sign off on the paperwork and I was just on the joists, like the ceiling joists, the rafters or whatever. That was it. I had done everything else. I'd put posts up. I had my steel beam across. I was cutting bird mouths in the beams and everything. I had done all the measurements, and then I hung the first joist, and it was five and a half inches out of square. So instead of being square, the plane in the back of my house, it was like that. So everything was kicked over, and I realized that my measurements from the start were bad, and I had gotten so deep into it and invested all this time and effort and didn't even... I needed to start smaller. I needed to just take the measurements, just square everything up. I built this little retaining wall. I was indexing all of my measurements off of the retaining wall that I thought was square to the house. It wasn't because I didn't do a good enough job doing that. So the overconfidence of, I know how to do this. Like, I know how to measure things and fucking put a square on the ground, whatever. No. And, and here's where I'm, I'm really trying to nail at home is when we're totally in control from start to finish, like when you're making the the project, Steve, or you're thinking about these sloyd knives versus the little square tags, like technically you are in control of that entire process, right? You can get anxious because there's there's maybe a lot to do, or if you get a lot of pre-orders, you can get a little anxious just because you gotta you gotta do the thing. But the fact that I relied on measurements of the pre existing house, so technically not fully in control. And not knowing enough about construction to realize that, oh, well, if the house is a little out of square, it'll probably throw the square of everything else off. And then my measurements will all be off. And then the lumber is going to cost more. And and then if I screw up, I have to get new lumber and it's all going to be really expensive. That anxiety or that, let's call it a reality check of me realizing that luckily I hadn't gotten so far along that it was all a waste or it all wasn't worth it. Um, I'm, I'm frustrated with myself because I immediately, once I put that first beam up and realized that it was so far out of square, I had a full anxiety moment, panic moment. Like, oh my God, I've done all this work. I poured concrete for three days, you know, and the wind and I set anchors in the ground all for not. I don't like, I don't like having the the reality checks or the, the gut checks that happen, like the t-shirts that I've talked about, you know, I put all the money in hoping, thinking I, I thought this was going to work. I was going to get paid back or whatever. or for stuff like this. That's just a project for me, effectively for me. I realized that, that there was no big reason for me to panic or have anxiety. I'll fix it. I'll make it work. I've spent the last couple of days just undoing and redoing things re-squaring everything but steve when we are talking about something like merch or sellable items i think it's completely understandable why that panic can set in or that anxiety can set in because what if it's not a patio cover but i'm just using it as an example what if something goes wrong one of the axes that you make goes horribly wrong shatters into a million pieces the handle breaks something like that on like the second swing how do you overcome that anxiety when you're thinking well that axe went wrong but i do want to make axes and i want to make 10 of them and then i want to sell 10 of them and i want them to all be good quality so that we don't have these mistakes again how do you take that let's say the uh the down to earth bring brought down back to earth after your first failure of an axe something going wrong okay al can take this but when you make something wrong, how do you overcome that and then continue pressing forward and let the anxiety not stop you at the gate?
0: You you, you weren't beating around the bush, but you kind of were in, in at what my point is on that. Um, for a long time, for me, anxiety was the unknown, mm. right? It was the things that were out of my control, the what ifs. So to your point, Brett, like, what if the fucking steel explodes? What if this happens? What if there's a storm? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I just reached the point where it's like, well, wh- why am I worrying about those things? There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. yeah. Why am I anxious about something that is out of my control? Unless I'm f- like fucking om- omniscient <laughs> and omnipotent, <laughs> I can't fucking do anything about it. So what? Why? why worry? Mm. Why be stressed? Why be anxious about it? And then my anxieties flipped around to the things that were in my control, and and I worry about the things that I do. So, to your, did did I measure it properly? And I was like, well, there's an easy way to do solve that. Go and check. <laughs> yeah, and and just like take your time, do it again, do it five times. You know, it's it's the whole like, did I really unplug the iron? And like, I've, I've seen a um, like a shitty meme about someone. Taking a photograph of the iron, <laughs> printing the photograph <laughs> out, putting that in their wallet, taking it with them, with it unplugged. So when they when they sat on the bus worrying about whether they unplugged the iron, they've got yeah. the photograph as proof. And it's yeah. like well, they're they're the steps that you go to to not have to worry about things. Right. It, it was a joke, but it was like, well, that is that is the reality. And then you remove that anxiety because, like, I've done as much as physically possible in my capacity mm-hmm. to avoid those fuck ups. Oh, and, and I, I think that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go on. I, I I totally did I did the same with the shack. I was like I got to a point where I'd like measured it and then got and obviously something had happened and by the end of it I'd built all the way around and it was too late. Mm. And I was like, whatever measurement out. And it's like, well I can't go back and sh I can't go back and shin yeah. everything or like shave anything off it. So I'm just gonna like brute force it as much as I can into place, bolt it down as hard as I can, and hope that, you know, over 15 feet that much of a discrepancy is not going to make a difference difference.
2: yeah and And so far see this is the kind of discussion or or if i had another person standing around because so often you know we're all by ourselves doing these kind of things um i just i laid a string line down i finally did the geometry (laughs) where you do the a squared plus b squared equals c squared put your triangle on the ground you know what the side of the house is And you know how far out from the house is. And I put a little string line there and I measured it. And then I I had built a little retaining wall, right? Um, As I was grading out the area. And I laid the string line down. And all it took was me taking three steps back further from the house. And looking down the line and going, Jesus Christ. Like it was so out of square. And I had shifted the entire plane of the back of the patio, like over. And I was so mad at myself that it was just like, well, yeah this is why I don't do this shit, this is why I don't do woodwork, this is why I don't build or do construction things, like, whatever. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, none of this matters. Like, I can fix it. All of this is within my control to fix it. Yes, I got frustrated with the preconceived notion that my house was built square and plumb, so that one's on me for not double-checking, but god damn when it comes to the projects like uh the stuff that i'm trying to make sculptural wise i don't want something to fail or fall over mm. so i i do feel like i have to take i have to take my licks with this and understand that i'm learning in this i also because of the conversations i've had with the county and the permits and stuff i realized like oh my god i i this project's actually going to be way more manageable i was over it so Yes, I have to take everything down, but oh, this is going to be way more manageable when I when I actually do the thing. But these sculptural things, if I have to deal with a, a million-year-old sculpture suspended off something that I build, the anxiety that goes into that is just like, I hope this never falls over. <laughs> at least within my control. Now, living in California and I have heard this from a couple of people that I've talked to that are like professional mount makers or or folks that work in museums. Like, yeah, but if an earthquake happens, I mean, that's not really something you can control. And if it falls over and breaks, you can't be upset about it. And we have very high winds going on right now. What if I had gotten done with the patio, built it maybe not as good as I could have, but I was okay with it? And then this day happens like today where the winds are so high and the whole thing just rips off the side of the house. Well, (laughs) was I in control or not? Could I have made it better? Or is it really just the power of? The wind uh that was going to undo me in any capacity
1: yeah i mean to go back to to what um to i was saying earlier on about like the the worrying about stuff that's not in your control like I, i honestly for me that's never been a huge issue because it's it's that whole thing of like shit happens like if let's say if there's an earthquake there's an earthquake if you know the the steel that you got is shitty than the still that you got is shitty and that comes out whilst you're making like you you Mm -hmm. should notice that whilst you're making it um so yeah and like like a a bunch of the the swear tags that got sent before christmas have still not arrived because the postal service is fucked or uh they've turned up and um a bunch of people have had them turn up and the um the bags have been the the envelopes have been broken because the postal service has been so fucked that you know they've been basically mistreated they've been left out in the rain or whatever and and the bags have split so i have had to rebake them and send them out like that that shit's fine like that it it's an inconvenience a pain in the ass it happens it's fine i don't i don't care um like we can we can send that out and people understand that people understand that stuff is outside of your control just,
0: um just to put in the bags have not split because of transport and there's somebody opening to find out. yeah the amount of fucking packages i got over christmas where they've just been ripped open oh yeah and yeah. still posted through the letterbox with the content It's like what you didn't want that particular part off of a fucking Suzuki, from the yeah, because <laughs> you thought it was something else that was worth yeah. winning.
1: yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, so yeah, like that that stuff it's fine, it happens, whatever, I don't care. Um, the the anxiety and the panic and the worry for me is always stuff that is within my control and it's the it, it, it it's essentially my skill levels and my ability to do the thing. That's why I don't like um pre-orders and stuff because you know say i get a pre-order for 10 axes um yeah i'll i'll make 11 so i've got one as a just in case sort of thing mm. um but then i fuck up two of them it's like fuck now i've got to go back and i've got to restart because i'm i'm especially when i'm doing batches of stuff like it's you know you do everything in a batch so you know you get everything to this point you get everything to this point you get everything to this point and if you fail at point six, it's like fuck now i've got to go back and i've got to do one like one extra one from one to six sort of thing. So, Mm -hmm. and it, it fucks with the flow. Um, like in terms of like what you were saying about, like if, you know, if you send something out and it, it fails afterwards, um, like how you, you get around that. (laughs) There's, it's kind of a, uh, a hard one because like I, I wouldn't sell something that I thought was, subpar quality like that's another another reason why i prefer doing um like sale on stuff i've already made is because i know like every stage right like i know that actually <clears throat> you know the, the heat treat on this knife might not be a hundred percent perfect it, you know it's a 95 percent. so i'll sell it knowing or i'll, I'll sell it and being explicit like this one went a bit bit blue at the tip or whatever, or, you know, or I might go, right, I'm going to reheat it or whatever, but I'm aware of that, that fault. And I make the person buying it aware of that fault. Um, so from like my point of view, I'm not going to sell something that I, f- I feel like would, would break unless it's through something outside of my control or misuse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, if, you know, if I sell someone an ax and they try hacking, a suzuki vitara part with it then then (laughs) that (laughs) one's on you yeah that that it's not what it was designed for but yeah um so yeah like i I think um and part of that is having confidence in the things that you make and that comes from experience that comes from making things and, and using those things um enough to know that they are of a certain quality and obviously that that's reflected in your your pricing and how you market it and all of that um but those um those kind of outside factors like you can't you can't stress about them like if someone comes back and says you know the the postman's nicked my axe or the postman's nicked this or you know that a freak lightning strike burnt the handle off like all right okay well obviously depending on the situation go right okay you know what send it back i'll fix it or whatever um but like I say, at a certain point you have to kind of go, well, I can fix it, but you have to pay me for the time because that's
2: uh-huh.
1: that's your thing, not mine. Um and I don't like I don't think that's really the same as as like I say that that kind of gut punch thing, because I don't get that um that gut punch from something that's outside of my control. I'll still do everything I can to fix it within reason. Um but the the kind of the gut punch for me comes from you know, if like I say if, if I send something out and it is subpar below quality, but that happens less and less frequently the more experienced you are because you you know when things are gonna fail. Um, mm-hmm. and like I say, I think that a lot of that just comes with um, with experience and with I was gonna say with confidence in your own product, but it's not confidence, it's right it's like it it, kind of being honest with yourself because there's a lot of people out there that are very confident that they've made the best whatever but it's actually not that good a quality like i i know some guys that sell stuff that i kind of look at and go like i probably wouldn't sell that um but you know they for them
0: they are selling 10 a day though yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, but this and, is, but it, like I say, it, it's a personal thing. It's, it's where you feel comfortable doing that.
2: This is where I feel like the uh, like there's a line in the sand between the person that accepts the the moments of being brought back down to earth, like mm-hmm. the reality checks, the gut punches that we get, can digest those and then move forward, knowing that mm-hmm. the information or learning from it, and then there are the people that are almost like you're saying with these cell ten a day lesser quality than you would sign off on where call it willful ignorance but it's just like when when does the when does the drop happen for them what does it take because i feel like everything gets elevated um with somebody that's like no 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 everything i produce is great quality and i can sell 20 of them a day and it's all great by the time they hit the moment of the being brought back down to earth they're way higher up and so it's a way bigger fall Versus what I, you do, I, I could be wrong in that, but I feel like there's a line in the sand between the person that's able to humbly accept the reality checks, learn, move forward, so you have a better gauge.
1: I I, I think it's it's not that at all. I think it's okay. more down to what that person um, or what that individual, it, what they find important. So, yeah, okay. you know, they they might go, you know, they, they might get you know, they might sell a thousand of this product and they might get a hundred come back and they they just go, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just send them a replacement. Like and like not worry about it. Whereas someone else might sell a thousand and they get one that comes back and that one is the gut punch because it's whether you give a shit about selling volume and just selling, or whether you take pride in, in what you do and, and the the quality of that work. Um and it, it's the same as like the guys that, that just import stuff from abroad put a different label on it or repaint it and sell it on again for twelve times the price. You know, they they don't really give a shit about the quality. They're just worried about reference to the GameCube that I made from Japan with the orange one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that's I was literally telling, what I did. <laughs> yeah. I was telling someone about that the other day. Um but yeah no I, I think it, it's more about like that gut punch comes from what you care about. So if someone doesn't care about the quality of their product then their product failing isn't going to give them a gut punch. Um, and it might, it might not even give them a gut punch if they stop selling it. it. They might only get that gut punch when they go, fuck, I've invested 10 grand into buying a load of stock and nobody's buying my stuff. Like it, the, it the, might
0: the, be... the Google thing. Yeah. You know, they're not bothered about controllers anymore. They've moved uh, on. Yeah. You know, to, to us, it seems like a, a weird shame about a, something that's been crafted and made and designed and built and produced and sold and packaged mm. and bought by people, you know, people bought stadia thinking it was going to be useful and probably yeah. spent a lot of money on it. Yeah. Google don't care. Like yeah. the the entity that is in Google is not sitting there going, Oh God, I'm so like, am so anxious and I'm so like <laughs> upset about that thing that happened. It's like, no, yeah. they're They're too busy selling people's personal information and, <laughs> <laughs> making money, making money off intangible things as opposed to tangible yeah. things. So, so mm. you, you nailed it, Steve. Like it is, what are your care about?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, for for a lot of us, it, the the care is about the the quality of what we make, and we're not looking at selling huge volumes. We're looking at selling quality items. Mm. For some people, it's not that case. Some people they want to just batch stuff out and and make some money out of it. You know, it is a as much people overuse the term side hustle like it is a side hustle for them it's there to make money like and if that's what you want to do great more power to you go for it Mm -hmm. but you know you're probably not going to get those people that have that gut punch when something goes wrong because that i think that gut punch only comes when you invest um Invest in in it yourself. You put your, your you know you put your passion in it. You put your um you kind of put your stamp on it, and and it's that that item, that project, that video, that whatever, is a bit of you. It's a it's a reflection of your personality. And when that then gets rejected or comes back or whatever, it's that it feels more personal like that mm. because it it is part of you. And that that feeling when that comes back and you know it it's like a it's it's like a form of rejection and that's not spiffing people, people that we think, that think that are spiffing uh al have you got an order yes it's sba single best answer single best answer yeah uh sweet in which case that means that i'm first uh i'm gonna it, it's not like it's, it's just a thing that happens in the uk so in the uk we have toast uh, chewing
0: so, so tree sh- toast Was- i'm
1: not i'm not wassailing uh although that did happen this weekend well not here because we, we're not doing it in the village anymore uh, anyway uh because ross isn't organizing it and nobody else wants to so it's just not happening and it's massively so times that is yeah it's
0: political correctness gone mad
1: Ach, fucking dick. Uh, but there's one uh, just up the way um, near the Ethicurian that's a friend's friend's uh, orchard, and I really want to go to that. And every year, it's always on a day that I'm fucking doing something. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so in the UK, we have uh, the London Underground, otherwise known as the Tube, um, which with a ch. Um, and it is, uh, that was a weird face. Uh, it is a uh, horrible, horrible place to be, but uh, obviously everyone needs to use it. Uh, or everyone in London needs to use it. And Unless it's little... on the
0: Victoria line. Sorry, asterisk, because that's quite nice.
1: Yeah. Uh, what's the the new one? That yeah, just Victoria done well? line.
0: No, the Elizabeth line. Sorry, not Victoria line, yeah, the Victoria yeah. line. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. It is quite nice. It's all sealed off, and you don't get all the
1: stinky stinks. Yeah. In- and it's Did it you know that the the air in the underground is jet Don't fucking start pulling faces like that? Call the fucking that, subway, man. You were the one fucking taking ages just now. Like we're allowed to have this discussion. But the air in the tube, if you uh spend I think it's like twenty minutes in the tube, then that's worse than like five cigarettes or something like that. Um it's really bad for you. Uh, and it's because of the iron filings or the iron in the air from uh the brakes. Um, not just because you're surrounded by dirty Londoners. Um, but one of the good things about uh, the Tube is the fact that because people want to kind of, well, the Tube workers and TFL guys want to kind of brighten people's day a little bit, um, they have the Tube thought of the day, uh, which is um, it's basically just a message that's written out on um, a whiteboard.
0: Uh, like a motivational cat meme. Yeah. But, but written with marker on a whiteboard in a subway station.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's little things to just kind of like make you think or make you smile or whatever. Uh, the one for three days ago, the 20th of Jan this year was, I want to lie shipwrecked and comatose drinking fresh mango juice, goldfish sh- shoals nibbling at my toes, which if you're clever, like me and Al, and watch red dwarf will make absolute sense to you if you say if, that
0: uh, but it's taken me 30 years to realize that it's goldfish shoals what did you think it was no <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah goldfish.
1: that's fish
0: goldfish bowls so, <laughs> I, I was always like that's a weird word that doesn't make yeah. Any sense
1: yeah the, i can't remember which line it is but there's a line in it that i completely forgot uh i completely m- misheard for like 30 years anyway um so yeah, it can be all kinds of things, and it's it's lovely, and it's like whenever it gets shared around, it's always a really nice thought. Um, and I don't know, if... quite
0: self-deprecating. because yes. sometimes it's about how shit the service is on the underground.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> there, there was one uh, they did they did a load when they were doing strikes a little while back, and they were like, "We're really sorry, but we want to eat." And um, yeah, they're they're great. So it's just a, it's a little insight into British humour. Um, I don't know if there is a official thought of the day. An entire marketing
0: been? department working behind it, Steve. Don't be so naive.
1: Yeah. yeah. I bet it's not. I bet it's just some miserable fucker that's there that's got a really dry sense of humour. Um What resonates with the uh, Gen Alpha's there, lately? <laughs> <What can we laughs> uh But yeah, uh so I've, I've put a link to an article about it because I don't know if there's an official thing, but it's probably on Twitter or something. I don't fucking know. I bet, so, there's, I
0: bet there's an Instagram account dedicated to them, Steve.
1: All right, well, I'll tell you what. Whilst you do your... Yeah, while you do your spiffing, I will have a quick Google around for it and see if I can find it. So, you go, now.
2: It's Brett, not me. It's actually my turn. Okay,
1: you go now. Thanks, Steve.
2: Appreciate it. Right, so, being that it's fools with tools, and we never talk about mm. tools. All fools. <laughs> or fools. Well, we are them. Um, yeah, this, this patio project has been a real kick in the pants, but I have started to realize how important it is to have certain tools to do the job that needs doing. Um, And as many times as I've seen guys that are, you know, it's what they do every day. I've seen uh, framers and builders and construction guys. I remember watching all the guys that were helping uh, build out the blacksmithing area, Jimmy's, or watching Justin Dietrich do traditional framing, what have you. Do not trust a circular saw and a speed square if they're not two things that you use all day, every day. If you have the capacity uh, to invest in a proper chop saw or compound miter saw, I would make that suggestion as well. Um, but the the old backup, which I feel like this might be a respiff from years and years ago, is I'm a huge fan of uh, this pretty affordable set of uh, pole saws, like the Japanese style pole saws, even though I'm not doing any kind of traditional framing, they do, you know, the blades bend. There's a little bit of play to them. You can get into tight spaces. You can square things up, maybe a little bit easier on the fly than you can um, running lumber back and forth between these tools. So I'm going to put a link to the set of pole saws that I got, and that I know a plenty of other people use. Um, but yeah, I'm spiffing a tool cause these pole saws nice. as on site, lightweight, do the job that needs doing. Uh, they've been a real godsend during all of this project stuff. Amen. Nice. I, well, okay. As one example, think about it. you you have like a post above you eight feet in the air mm-hmm. and you go, yeah, I could take a circular saw and cut this straight line off in two seconds. Not only do you not cut it straight, it weighs a lot, and maybe it's a little more and dangerous. You can't get up close if it's next to something else. That's it. You can take a pull saw and just whoosh,
0: takes a little bit longer. Easy peasy. Done. If only they made pull saws for bushings on rusty car <laughs> fucking axles, because that's exactly what I was doing. There
1: you go. Um, I. Uh, I appreciate your spiff, but I was not listening because I was looking for the thing. Classic uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's something like pole axis. Um, but there is uh, a a couple of Instagram accounts for the thought of the day, but they're unofficial ones. They're just random people taking photos and putting it up. So there's not an official um, thing. So I've put one of the unofficial ones in the shows. So However,
0: you if, you use the, if you use the tag all on the board, like all aboard, which you say when you get on a train, but it's all on the board. It's
1: yes. Everything.
0: There as well. Get some good puns.
1: Perfect. Uh, I second Brett Spiff. Good. Is that is that it? Is that your Spiff?
0: Spiff Um. So, Steve, you're French. Um. Are you aware of the Eden Project? Yes. In Cornwall. And. So the Eden Project in Cornwall is a fantastic. Um. Brett, have you seen (laughs) biodome?
2: Making a filter. Maybe. Imagine, Just imagine we're
1: stuck in a bubble. Doesn't mean we can't cause trouble. Oh so that, but I'll not get into it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so the Eden Project is a wonderful uh, ecosystem in Cornwall, which is in the southwest of England. where it's already kind of warm and hot and temperate, but uh, they've yeah. made, they've made a compared to fucking it's fucking minus five at the moment. Proper north. Um, you're from south of the wall. You're from the south. Um, if it's, and it's this lovely place where you can go, and they've got lovely plants, and it's all very um, well maintained and great, and there's nice experiences, and you can go for walks and stuff like that. And there's a, it's just the, a massive greenhouse, the world's longest zip line, world's highest zip line. You can zip line right through it, it's amazing. Mm. No, the longest one's in Wales, North no. Wales. Something yeah, it's no. from Wales to Cornwall. That's a long <laughs> Um fuck, that'd be amazing. Anyway, it's it's wonderful. Huge big dome. Lots of cool shit going on. And it's kind of like can you build this on Mars and you know you could create mm-hmm. a whole ecosystem in there. They're building one in the north of England, because in the north of England, nothing happens other than closing down all the infrastructure and letting people just squalor in their own filth. Um but the government, who is based in London, have decided that they will throw some breadcrumbs at the north of England and hope it sticks, and and there will be something of value there. Um. So there was. You've got to have some fucking reason, yeah. Uh, HS two or whatever it, it is. No, they've cancelled it. They've kept with the program. They actually cancelled it now. Yeah. So the billions of pounds um invested in the uh English infrastructure, but that was mostly spent south of birmingham um but one one amount that they have thrown up north is to build a northern version of the eden project so morecambe bay which is probably where most of the ships in the second world war were built um Around there and kind of Barrow and that port at the south of Cumbria, um, across to Lancashire, um is a quaint little place. Morecambe is like a poor man's blackpool, and a poor a blackpool is like a northern man's Brighton, and Brighton (laughs) is like an Englishman's Las Vegas. So if you imagine like (laughs) if you imagine Vegas I hope everybody wrote that down. (laughs) Vegas four times removed and even shitter and decrepit. Uh, that's what Markham is, um, and but they have a like a jetty. What's what's American for jetty? Like it sticks out into the sea. Dock. No, but like it is called a jetty. jetty. It is called that you walk down and it's like a, a like a pier, pier. pier. Yeah, like a pier. They have a pier. Um, it's there's it the potential to be quaint, but they've now dedicated a whole space of this to build this beautiful um, biodome for once, of, mm. of a better term. Um, so they've just secured funding. Um, they're going to get all the infrastructure in there. One of the things is they need a tram to get there. So there is a rail service, but it doesn't go directly there. So they're thinking, how can we get people to and from it? You know, not have to worry about parking and things like that. It's a fantastic project. It's in its infancy. I'd love to see how it develops. Um, but they started to do renders and artistic Mm -hmm. impressions of what it's going to be like. Um, could be potential for work could be potential for
1: interesting things to go on in that part of the world yeah yeah because mm. with uh the the cornwall one i know it took years for it to to get built um but there was so much cool stuff around it and it's mm. it's really exciting to see what kind of new stuff they put into the infrastructure of this one because like the especially like renewable technologies and stuff like that comes so far compared to when the original one was made in like the 90s yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. well I'm, I'm probably planned before that yeah and um, so yeah so i'm just I'm, I'm also thinking from from the aspect of our community and a kind yes of sustainable ideal and lifestyles that we are beholden to which is maybe a little bit more right to repair a little bit more traditional a little bit more you know in brett's case like you know I can sustain myself, that mm. homestead lifestyle. The point of these projects is to, to say, we don't need the outside world, you know, it's a sealed bubble. Um, so I'd love to see if they start running crafts in there, if they start running workshops, you know, teaching skills, mm-hmm. teaching homesteading, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm going to try and get in contact with them and, and who the, the, um, the people are behind the project and see what their plan is for that side of things. So it's, it's not right. just, it's not just a greenhouse, you know, this is not yeah, just yeah. an exercise in horticulture, like, <clears throat> we know that works <laughs> yeah <laughs> th- th- there's potential here for this to be a a, a, a way of saying how can we live off grid how can we use renewable yeah. sources what 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 is required to to detach ourselves from this disgusting place where the world has become which is all yeah. about making rich people richer
2: yeah
1: mm-hmm. um yeah no i think that's a really good shout i saw the announcement the this week last week um on social media, and yeah, it's. I'm excited to see what happens with it. Um,
0: it's obviously a long time in the planning, yeah. it will be you know, yeah. I'm not, it's the Millennium Dome, I'm not expecting it to be pop up anytime soon.
1: But if it is the start of things to come, yeah, um, yeah, no, good chat. Actually, weirdly enough, on that, uh, talking about the Millennium Dome and things being like kind of repurposed, which
0: has now been privatized and isn't owned by the public anymore <laughs> <It's
1: a> fucking... <laughs> yeah let's let's not go into that one um but i did see something quite oh. cool uh that um obviously with uh nuclear power plants um the like the the cost of building is astronomical mm. but a lot of that call co- like a huge portion of that cost is the stuff that's used in traditional power plants like coal and and all that because it's that that generation of steam and putting it through turbines and the turbines and generators and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, you know, then the, the added cost is the uh, the actual nuclear generator. Um, uh, sorry, nuclear reactor. Um, and, and waste because, disposal. Yeah, but let's not go into that really side of things asked. at the moment. Um, but uh, a bunch of... Um, like coal-fired plants are, are being shut down because we we just don't need them anymore, um, because we don't have the coal to run them, uh, and they're bad. But uh, that infrastructure is already there. So there's a, a company that is looking at basically going in and going like, right, well, we'll just buy the pa- the the old nuclear power plant, nice. rip out the the coal furnace, and drop in a nuclear reactor, and um, like revamp those power stations um, for. Clean energy, uh, which is interesting. I mean, obviously, yes, there is the the issue with the um, waste disposal and all fire, of that. It's fire
0: but, into the sun. Don't worry about it. It's fire into the sun.
1: No, that's a really bad idea because uh, it's and it's not like the, the getting it into the sun. It's it's the fact that getting it into orbit is really bad and really difficult. And but still more
0: power stations to create the energy. <laughs> room, it's simple, Steve.
1: But think if we had we a space elevator. Then yes, it would Build be stations
0: in orbit. Uh,
1: Build them on the, the moon. Moon uh, yeah. <laughs> power. There we go. Perfect. Uh anyway. Uh any other business? Moon power.
0: Brilliant. Um. Org.
1: Sort your fucking website out.
0: Uh no. That's like that's a time capsule right there. You did they even have like a dedicated thing where you can go back in time on the internet. You know, after have to with my website. <laughs>
1: fucking space jam website oh my god Anyway,
0: that is is the pinnacle yeah
1: um so yeah uh if you want to find us you can find us in all of the usual social media places you can find me at moonshine metal works you can find brett at skyland spade 13 and you can find al at al's hack shack i see i was waiting for like three seconds because
0: i was going to get attacked by the cat again
1: and it was going to be cat attack shack but it didn't happen yeah, I mean, you have been attacked by the cat at least three times during this recording. So, um yeah, uh, and if you want to find us out as a group, we are Fools of Tools or FWT Podcast in most places. um Yeah, that's it. So until next time, which it'll probably be maybe two weeks. I don't really know. uh Will are you off again? No, I'm just because we we just suck at recording on a regular basis at the moment. Right. Um, Uh, But yeah, so until next time, we love you. Goodbye. Thanks. Thanks.